With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. Tonight I want to speak to you. Don't you listen to your radio? No, I'd like to talk to you tonight. I could listen to you talk all night. Welcome to the night. Mr. Bradley. Bradley, Jason L. Next caller, you're on the air. While the others sleep. A little conversation. We will find you. We have a guest now, and I'm very excited about this in a serious way. Kiel Bergen, Holy Unraveled. There's a book about Kiel's experience being born into a Catholic cult, escaping from the Catholic cult, healing the damage resulting from being in a Catholic cult, and then getting to the point where she was able to cease letting her suffering define her, which is a lesson that could be valuable for lots of folks. Kiel, thanks for being with us. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. Can you tell me about the cult? Disciples, I can. What disciples, would you like to know? Well, describe Disciples of Light. Well, it was a, a kind of a crazy upbringing. Uh, things like you just finished eating dinner with your family and you're asked to do one of two things to exit the table. One, speak in tongues. Or two, be slain in the spirit. Neither I knew how to do. And so I made it up as I went along. And I faked it. But um, it was kind of a crazy time. It was crazy upbringing. So you were born into this cult, the Disciples of Light. Your father was the boss. And some of the, let's go through life in that cult. You just talked about being at the dinner table. You could either leave or or speak in tongues. Can you talk about speaking in tongues? I don't understand it's uh, is that something that it's supposed to be some other force or some devil speaking through you? Is that the idea? It, the the idea is that um, supposedly um, God comes through you oh. and God tells you what to say, but it's in a language that no one understands except, of course, my dad, who could tell you what God was saying. So it sounded like um, gibberish, truly. So, so I would listen to other people say it, and then I would mimic it. And then I would see if I would get out with my dad believing me or not. Okay. So you would hear other people speak in tongues. Were they just making it up? Was it clear they were just saying crazy, dumb stuff, making sounds? I think it was. I, I thought it sounded like crazy sounds, yes. And it sounds and then like— my dad it, would walk up and, and, and interpret what they would say. Okay. Oh, here's what this person just said. Okay. Um, here's what God just said through this person. It seems like a weird device that would allow you to have your father's display that God was saying certain things, and, and it wasn't him making up these things. Oh, God said that through this gibberish. Like a kind of Rorschach test of speech. You, you hear this abstract gibberish, and you get to 
decide whatever it means. That's exactly right. I mean, my, it took me decades to figure this out, but my dad was playing God. So and you felt so bad. You got be- to decide what you were saying. As a kid, you felt bad because you weren't able to speak in tongues and you learned to just fake it. I faked it, for sure. Did he ever, ever accuse you of faking it, by the way? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when he accused me of faking it, it was a pretty bad punishment. So, um, and, and it didn't matter how I said it. It just mattered what he thought. And I, but, but I do want to say, like, ultimately, A Holy Unraveled is a book about healing. Yep, we're going to get there. We have the luxury of time. We'll get there. Okay, good. I, and the, okay. in my little introduction, we talked about it's about healing and be, being a, becoming able to define yourself in something by something other than your suffering. But we need to understand the suffering yeah. first. I now, agree. your father would punish you in strange ways. For example. Correct. What do we have for examples? A lot of them. <laughs> Which would you like to talk about? You can choose um, one. Let's see. Uh, I guess the one I would choose is uh, when I didn't do anything wrong. I think the fundamental point for me was I never knew when I was doing it right or wrong. <clears throat> because his his MO was his mood. And so if he was in a good mood, then I was doing it right. And if he was in a bad mood, then I was doing it wrong. And that's why it took me decades to figure out my own worthiness and my own voice, because I always had someone else's voice in my mind to say what was right and wrong. What what we're doing is taking you through your journey, first understanding the situation you were born into, then we'll get to college, understand the void that was left when you went to college, what happened, then you're going to go after college to where you started to get healed and how that happened. So I hope you bear with me and take take this ride. You, you mentioned in the book that there was some sort of punishment that involved a horse. Yes. Um, I had respite with two places in the world. One was at the ocean, and the other was at my barn. And the barn was, I love the smell. I love to touch the leather. I, I love to feel the hair on the horse. It was an amazing respite for me. And um, I think my dad knew that on a lot of levels. And so eventually I was being punished for something I didn't do, which was um, have a party at the barn. And um, my dad took me to the barn to, to I guess, punish me or, or, or make me pay for something I didn't do. And um, what happened was he put me on a horse that I had been trying to train for a couple of years to just saddle break the horse. I just wanted to, it was one of, it was a thoroughbred. His, his name was Irish. It was amazing. And he said, get on the horse. And that was my punishment for having the party I didn't have. Um, and I got on that horse and it was, it was awful. It was awful. There was also I, there another was punishment that involved a gun. Yes. There's, that's a different story. Yeah. Can you tell yeah. that story? Sure. Um, that story was I was on a family trip in Lake Powell, and um, I came upstairs. My dad was in a bad mood. He hit me so hard I, I fell off the boat in the middle of nowhere in Lake Powell. 
and he took me for a hike um, with a gun um, on a, in a holster, and he said he was going to kill me. So he took me for a walk for four hours um, where he didn't give me any water and um, took me to the top of a hill in the middle of the desert and said, I'm going to kill you now and shot a couple of bullets over my head. And thank God they didn't hit me. Um, but he tried, he threatened to kill me and that didn't happen. Thank God. But that I don't believe that was his absolute intention. I believe he did that to scare me, but it was absolutely not okay to do to a 12 year old girl. So did you realize that at this time that this wasn't normal? I mean, you're 12. Did you think that everybody's dad did this or did you, because you didn't know about the outside world. I didn't really know about the outside world. I used to watch people walking by and think, Oh, I wish I was part of their family. Um, did I think it was normal? No. But did I think I could do anything about it? That's also a no. How did you I, How did you I, know that wasn't normal? Did you have some people around you that kind of let you know that that was weird, like a, a relative or a housekeeper or something? Um, I had um, I had friends who looked like they had quote unquote normal families, and and I always wanted to be part of those. I thought those looked amazing. And then I would go home to mine and I just, I did the best I could to get through what I was going through, you know? And, and I guess, I mean, to answer your question, I guess it, it, it was normal for me because it was the only thing I knew. Yeah, you, you could sense that's that. Why, you, did you ever think about running away or going to somebody else's daddy and say, hey, my father shot at me? Uh, I wish I would have done that. No, I really didn't do that. I would go to other people's houses and try to stay as long as I could. As long as they were in the in the cult that we were in, I could stay there. And so I would try to stay there as long as I could. Um, but I always ended up at home. And that's why, for me, the ocean was my respite. Like I, the ocean and the barn were my respite because it was the place I could go away and look at something else and think, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. So in this cult, it wasn't just your family. There were other people in the cult as well? There were. There were probably, um, if I had to guess, maybe 300 families. Wow. Whoa. And were their families all like your father, pretty much? Um, I think I think a lot more people were uh, questioning, because my, my dad was one of the ones that put the rules down. So I think there were a lot more families questioning what my dad was doing. Um, and, but my dad was, you know, one of the leaders. And so that was the thing. It's, it, it's interesting. Cause I had, um, I don't, I, Mike Resendez at my house, uh, last, last week for dinner. And he's the one that, uh, Pulitzer prize winner who broke the story from the Boston globe, the spotlight. And we all need to pay more attention to what's going on with these children's lives, right? Because I didn't feel like I had a way out until I actually ran at 18. And if we can all just pay a little more attention to what's, what little ones are saying, because there's still so much abuse happening. Okay, we, we will. Outside the church. We're going to get there. We have the luxury of time. It's, we're not like the others. We have all kinds of time. 
We're going to take this journey all the way to you getting healthy. Now, they also, a couple things they made you, you know, Dr. Phil goes slow, step by step. That's what we're doing here. You know, uh, you had to wear special clothes, like a uniform or something, and you had arranged marriages. Correct. What kind of clothes? I didn't have to wear a uniform, but, well, the clothes were, um, they had to hit your ankles, and they had to definitely cover your shoulders. And um, I went to a I went to a Catholic school, so the, the you know the, the socks had to be up to the knee. You had to wear certain shoes, a very bad polyester blazer. Um, and then the arranged marriages part was um, I would listen on the phone as my dad was on the phone with the other leaders of the church, and they were talking about they would talk about who was going to marry who, oh. and that was horrendous because I was listening without anybody knowing and I was the one who knew who they were pairing and it was it was fantastically awful to hear uh, who my sisters were going to be paired with who I was going to be paired with who my good friends were going to be paired with um, huh. yeah and 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 all the girls weren't allowed to go to college so it was um, the boys were they were deciding who was going to pay for what boys college even though they had girls, that was that was not talked about. Oh, so people with girls had to kick in to other families that had boys to help pay for the boy college? Correct. Oh, wow. Before we get out of the cult, before we get you into college, you mentioned that you had to wear, you couldn't wear what you want. Now, did, they, did your dad have a special uniform? Did the cult have a special uniform? Or was it simply that you went to Catholic school and you wore that uniform? Um, well, the uniform was more for the grown-up women, um, and when I say uniform, it was it was um, highly suggested clothes in terms of uh, skirts down to your ankles. It was cover your shoulders. It was no makeup. Um, it was do not highlight your hair. There was none of that. Um, and then for me going to school, I was at the school uh, Sisters of St. Joseph, and so we had a, a uniform. Okay. And so, yeah. So you managed to get out of this. By the way, may I ask, and I only ask because in some cult, I had a friend who was in a cult and there was a lot of sexual abuse that went on. Did that happen to you? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. No. All right. You go to college. I'm not sure how you got there, but after this break, we'll find out how you got to college and then how, we'll find out how unprepared for it you were, not only academically, but life-wise. There was a a huge void because your abusive father wasn't there anymore. You just didn't know how to act. We'll, we'll, we'll take that next, next step with you after this on WBZ. Jay talking. My, my, hey, hey. Hey, pay attention. I'm talking for a reason here. All night long with Bradley J. With Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030. I know how this sounds, but something told me to turn on the radio. No voice on the radio told you to come here. Radio's on busy all night long. You just have to listen. 
Bradley J's coming on strong. Jay talking, Bradley J. You're up next, it won't be long. WBZ. Can I talk? Talk to you. You gotta talk as well, the hour's gone. News Radio 1030. We gotta go for the Jay talking show. We gotta learn what you say. Bradley J. WBZ, Holy Unraveled is a book by Kiel Bergen that talks about her early days, very difficult with a in a Catholic cult run by her dad, how somehow she got into college, which we'll fi- and we'll find out how she did that because they didn't allow girls to go to college. Or they certainly didn't pay for them. And that didn't go well. And then sort of part three is how she got healed. Let's take a look at the college years or college weeks. Ready, Kiel? I'm ready for you. All right. Now, we just heard that they didn't plan. They didn't want girls to go to college. I'm guessing they just wanted them to be baby makers. Somehow you got to college. How did you get there? Um, My dad left that cult um, probably sometime when I was 14 or 15 years old and tried to start his own called The Measure of Faith. Oh, I thought he was the boss. I thought he was the... Oh, he was. Well, at least he thought he was. So um, you're saying were, he was the were, he he had it he, that was his own cult, the one you were in, right? Um, yes, but there were several leaders in that. Oh, there he were wanted to be who were I leading see. it. Okay. He wanted it to be just his, okay. and I think uh, when it didn't end up being just his, he left. And I I'm too young to know the details. I was too young then to know the details, but. Um, then he tried to start his own and was recruiting from there. And um, he actually allowed me to go to college as well as my sisters. And why? That didn't seem consistent with, was that consistent with his new um, cult rules? No, it just, it, that's why none of it makes sense, really. It was, it was about a narcissist who was trying to do whatever he was trying to do in the moment. And so the rules changed um, in an instant. That's, that was that's probably the <laughs> the definition of my childhood. I, I always tried to understand the rules, but they changed so quickly I couldn't understand. Okay, so you went to college. Where did you go to college? I went to Creighton University. Where's that? Uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. Ah, sorry, I, school. I apologize uh, for not knowing that, that university. No, no problem. No, it's uh, my dad said um, you can go to college as long as it's Catholic. Oh, so you went to a Catholic university. You got there. You showed up. Did you live in a dorm? I'd love to understand. I'd love to. When I, I looked did. at the book, I pictured you coming to your dorm, putting your suitcases down, putting your stuff on your <laughs> shelves, sitting on the bed, and thinking, "Oh my God, what do I do now? I have no clue what to do because everything I've ever done has been prescribed for me. Nobody's prescribing." I don't know what to do. Is that kind of accurate? Oh, my God. Bradley J., that is exactly it. I got there, and I had no I had no one controlling me anymore, and I didn't know how to control myself. And so I had no I, – I, I, I didn't do – I didn't do well. Right. We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put this under a microscope. Day one, you're sitting on the bed. Seriously, you, you unpacked. What did you do on that first day? Did you go 
crazy on day one or to just kind of go to sleep? Did you meet anyone? I picture that being a lonely, transformative day. I was scared to death. I didn't have any rules to guide me. Um, I was allowed to do anything I wanted. And so to me, that was paralyzing. And I, I tried to just conform, but I didn't even know what conforming meant. Right. Because there were, there was no guideline. And so um, I, I, I did okay in college and I, and I graduated and I did all the things I was yeah. quote unquote supposed to do. But, but slow down for you know, me. Was, did you have a roommate? I had a roommate. Yes. I had roommate. I had the same roommate. You, you read about her in the book. Um, and she was kind of my anchor. And right. she was the one who taught me. I didn't, I didn't know how to do laundry. I didn't know how to make my, I didn't know how to do anything. She, so you could have just kind of older. watched her and do what she did. If she had a beer, you could have a beer. If she smoked weed, you could smoke weed. Just if she did laundry, Correct. went to lunch, you did what she did. I did what she did. Until I met a person that was not good for me, and then I followed him because he was male, and I thought maybe that would make more sense. Yeah. So, was this male abusive, and did you fall into that, that whole thing where you are attracted to abusive males because your father was abusive? Um, actually, the first boyfriend um, that I had in college was amazing. He's in the book. He's he was a life giver, um, but I wasn't ready to receive it, and so I, um, I harmed him. I am not, I'm not happy about it. We, I, I recently, uh, he recently reached out to me since the book came out, but I wasn't, I didn't know how to receive love, and so that boyfriend went away, and then I was attracted to the drug dealer boyfriend who told me what to do and. When you told us the, the life giver boyfriend to go away, or he went away. Did you tell him get lost? Did you say go away, or did you just shut down and he went away? Were you mean to him? Did you? Um, that's hard to talk about. But I was I was not kind to him at all. Uh, he proposed. I accepted his proposal, um, and then I I went with my drug dealer boyfriend uh, to Mexico and broke into a drug dealer's house and stole their drugs and money. And uh, the boyfriend at home was really worried about me. And by the time I got home, um, <clears throat> I, I, I didn't treat him right. So I you were engaged. Said, Here's your ring. You were engaged and you went yeah. off with some other boyfriend, drug dealer to Mexico to rob another drug dealer's house. Was that exciting? Not proud, but was that exciting? Well, at the time, it, I was just chasing adrenaline. Yes. Did you it like it? Did, 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 I, you, did you like it? Were you thinking, "Wow, this is fun"? I guess I knew I was doing wrong, but I didn't quite understand right and wrong at that time. You we, know, I was I was chasing something to make me feel okay and feel like I was back in my box, but I never was. Uh, Right. You wanted to get back in the box with an abusive master. Yeah. Was this guy, new guy abusive? I mean, physically abusive or just, yeah, or, or? No. He wasn't. So he no, wasn't really abusive enough. No. All right. We need to find out more about you. We're getting there. We get to the healing part <laughs> soon, but we got to know how broken you got to know how good the healing was. The book is wholly unraveled again. And it's Keel Bergen. 
we're now in college. You've gotten to college in, in, our, in our talk here. And can you tell me what you were unprepared for? Some of the things that you saw other people doing fairly normally that you just couldn't do because you'd not been given the skills. By the way, I see some parallel in, in your cult and helicopter parents and bulldozer parents because their kids also are not given the skills to get along in the real world. Of course, the, the degree is way, 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 way greater with you, but in both cases, there is the common denominator of lack of skills due to having no freedom as a kid. So what were you unable to do? Hmm. I appreciate that um, juxtaposition. I, um, I guess the difference is the repercussions of what would happen if you did it wrong, right? Right. Um, so I was not taught how to do anything. I mean, my, my mom was vacuous, and so I didn't know, when I got to college, I didn't know how to do laundry. I didn't know how to make a bed. I, I knew only the things that mattered to the cult, which were, you know, wear the certain clothes, um, don't wear makeup, uh, wear your hair a certain way. Do not, no matter, no matter what, don't don't flirt with a boy. Um, and so those are the things that I didn't know how to do at all. So um, tell me, let's go through and, uh, meeting a boy. What was that like when you were not knowing at all how to act with a boy? Was it were you horrified? Were you were you? Were you, were you afraid that they were going to want sex right away? How did it all go? Um, well, the way it went for me was um, I decided that I wouldn't really um, embrace being a woman, which is horrible. I mean, I, I want every woman to embrace who they are as a woman and their curves and their beauty. Um, but for me, I... Um, went the other way. I said, I don't want to look like a woman because if I'm, if I look like a woman and I have curves and et cetera, then um, I'll be taken advantage of. And so for me, unfortunately, that led to an eating disorder. And so I didn't eat very much. For me, a, a, a small bag of pretzels and a Diet Coke was a full meal for the entire day. Because you wanted to um, be super skinny and unsexy? That's for real? You that's that was the plan that was the plan wow i i, I yeah what about how you dressed did you I, dress I, in baggy clothes and, and wear your hair in a bun um i dressed with my hair natural and i dressed with levi's uh, levi's and a t-shirt it mm -hmm. looked like the best thing for me that i could do to i didn't want to look like i, I don't mean that i wanted to look like a man but i i didn't want to look like a, a, a I couldn't be voluptuous either. And, huh. and I am a woman who was born with hips and, and I tried to hide them as much as I could by starving myself. And things like just going out drinking, simply going out for a beer must've been traumatic because you'd never done that. Well, I have to tell you the truth on that one, Bradley J. I was, I was good at going out for a beer. I, um, I had a tendency to be like, all right, that's the boy who would have harmed me when I was younger, and so I want to hurt him. And that, unfortunately, hurt people in my life, people who tried to love me, because I was like, okay, you are you feel a little bit safe, and so you're the one I get to harm. And that was terrible for the people that were in my life at the time. 
All right, you got out of college. Did you finish? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely did. We have to spell this all out for the folks. So <laughs> okay. Okay. We can't assume that they that they know anything. So I get it because they don't. So uh, you finished, and then where'd you go? I stayed in the same town where I graduated in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, I was a bartender and just trying to make sense of my life. Uh, I was evicted multiple times for uh, for not great things, and I uh, lost my car several times, and. Really had no idea. I had no. I had no compass. I had no idea where to go. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, Where, what were you evicted right? for? You can tell us, I think. What, what were you evicted for? Um, well, I remember one specific was uh, pigsty conditions. I, I didn't know how to keep a house, and I had lots of roommates, and uh, we just let anything that wanted to happen happen. So I got evicted several times. Pigsty conditions, I mean, you didn't do the dishes, but you must have known how to do dishes. I mean, you must have known how to keep a house clean, f- frankly. No, I really didn't. I mean, one of the people that really saved my life was, my nanny, Shirley, she's in the book. She was an amazing, oh, my God, I don't know what I would have done without her. And she did all of it. She did all the cooking and the cleaning and the bed sheets and clean the bathrooms. And I wasn't taught any of that. I, really I don't wasn't. see, but it's, do you have to learn it? I mean, washing dishes, you see this dirt on the dish, you get the dirt off. You saw other well, people, I you saw that. your, who, somebody must have done it in your house. You, you saw how it was done. Um, yeah, I guess I chose not to then. I guess I can go there with you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I take full responsibility for for all of that. All right. So. And, and, and the pain I caused the people, too, as I moved through my own pain. I, I caused a lot of pain. Yeah. I actually went out with a girl that had been kind of mentally abused, and it's not good. I, I would not ever do it again. I would never recommend it. Uh, you can't, I yeah. don't know, I, okay. I would say, guys, don't try to fix a girl. Just get out of there. That's my advice. So I somehow love you, her until she's re- ready to love herself. Okay. So somehow you got to this place where you got healed. I did. Can you talk I'm a little not. bit about that? Got it. <laughs> I can. Um, when I was probably, I guess, 12 years old, uh, there was a priest. Uh, his name was Archbishop Joseph Raya. He was the Archbishop of Galilee, um, ironically enough, um, a priest. But he was the one who stuck in my brain. He he came to our home, and he talked about love. And he talked about it in a way that I had never heard before. He talked about it in a way that was, I don't know, just spoke to me. Like, he, he talked about Marilyn Monroe. He talked about putting posters on the wall with Marilyn Monroe and talked about the goodness that people have in their life. And he gave me my first communion when I wasn't allowed to have it, supposedly under the the Catholic church. He was Byzantine. 
Um, and I, it was the only priest I had ever met who I resonated with, who, who spoke to me in a, in a different way. He used to take me on walks on the boardwalk and talk about love and people and complications and all of these things that I was so excited, like so interested to hear about. And um, so when I was at my darkest hour um, after a, a week of really bad um, decisions on my part, I had been evicted from another apartment, et cetera, uh, he came to me. It was almost like a spiritual experience, which I, I don't know if people can relate to, but when I came to, I, I heard his voice and it was, love is all there is. Love is all there is. And I woke up and I thought, I'm going to die if I don't do something. If I don't believe that, I'm, I, I'm probably going to die. And so that's when I got up and I hitchhiked to a place called Madonna House, which absolutely, unequivocally saved my life. Now, how did you find out about Madonna House and how did you get there? Did you say you hitchhiked? I did hitchhike there. Um, I found out about it because um, I think I spoke about it earlier, but there was a uh, a priest, the only one I really trusted All in right. my life, so he, uh, Archbishop he, Joseph Raya. He told you about it. All right. I knew he lived there for okay. the summers, and that's why I went there. Oh, how long did it take to hitchhike up there? Uh, probably four days. <laughs> and then I found this wonderful guy who was like, I'm going to buy you a bus ticket. And I went, you are? Okay. Um, and I said, you're an angel. And he's like, I'm no angel, baby. I'm just buying you a bus ticket. Yeah, he was kind of an so angel. He bought me a bus ticket. Is that the only yeah, time you hitchhiked? Did you like hitchhiking? Me? By the way, as an aside, did you enjoy the oh, experience? No, I, hit- I loved hitchhiking. Hitchhiking, yes. I, I hitchhiked a lot in my, yeah, okay. in my life. <laughs> so it's interesting Not because, anymore. you know, when you were young, you had zero freedom. And then hitch- hitchhiking is about the most emancipating thing you can do. Oh, I agree. Thank you for saying that. I thought it was amazing. I thought, oh my gosh, I put my finger out and I, it was adrenaline rush, right? I was chasing adrenaline at the time and it worked out. So you get up there and you saw Father Joe, 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 and uh, things got better. What was it like? What did they have you do? Well, I would first say that they got worse before they got better because um, when you're, I, I, I showed up at this place, I didn't really know what it was about, and I found out it was about silence and um, obedience, which I wasn't really keen on, um, and promises of chastity, and I didn't like any of that. And so for the first two weeks, I was there thinking, I cannot be here because the more silent I got inside of myself, the louder I got in my brain, like it just got so, my childhood got so loud because there was no distractions. All I was doing was shearing sheep or milking cows or cleaning handkerchiefs. And, and so it was really awful for the first two weeks. Um, I, I could barely breathe. And then I ended up, I decided to steal a car from there and left. And when I left, I was really clear, clearer than I had been before, uh, that I was going to die if I didn't really face my demons. So did you go back? If I didn't truly, I went back. I brought the car back. 
and I was told I couldn't stay there, and um, eventually they let me stay, um, and I ended up staying for more than a year, and I was silent except for meals, et cetera, but I, um, I'm so grateful for a place that allowed me to be silent, allowed me to spill my tears, allow, I didn't have to really, I didn't have to talk to anyone about really what was going on. I got to figure it out for myself and it was amazingly healing. So they didn't have, or did they have, I should ask, kind of therapy sessions or not? And it was just the entire structure was the therapy, therapy. Well, I would say the entire structure was the therapy, except that they required you to have spiritual direction with a priest. Um, that's probably the only thing I disagree with, because I ended up w- with a priest who was not um, not not uh, what I needed, not what anybody need, needed. Um, but other than that, it was an incredibly it, it was a it's supposed to be a religious experience, but for me, it was a spiritual experience. All right. This is a key question. Could the same thing have been achieved without the religious angle? Could you have been there in a place where they had you be silent? They had you doing manual labor. They had you living the clean life and you'd be tired at night. Did you need the cloth involved in all in all of this, really? Or may, And maybe you did. One, no, one million percent, I did not need that. I needed people who loved me which is why I believe in spirituality and if people call that, if, if people mean that as religion, but I needed people who unconditionally loved me, who allowed me to spill tears at a table with eight people there and not ask me why and just accept me for exactly who I was at that moment. I had nothing to do with religion. Huh. And I don't think re- Religion gives that to you. I think you have to give that to yourself and then be surrounded by people who just unconditionally love you. And what kind of structure do you have now? Do you live a structure-free life, or are you involved in some groups like the power circles, women's power circles? Um, well, I definitely have. Um, I have my spirituality for sure. I have a, a business called Bee Tribes where I curate women who in, in groups of 12 where we come together and we define what doesn't serve us anymore in our life and we relinquish those patterns that don't serve us and re-architect the life that we really are meant to live. So that's my, that's my business is that I want people to come together and figure that out and really be accountable to that. So I put them together in groups of 12 and we go through a six month curriculum where we hold each other accountable and we go through kind of like the Joseph Campbell's um, hero's journey together. And I, I believe that being held in a structure like that, that's loving and accountable and amazing and where you can say anything you need to say out loud to heal, that that, that's, that's what we need more in the world. Did you get some sort of training or other than your experience to, to run these courses or do you just use your experience? I use my experience. I, I've also had a lot of business experience in terms of like, 
you know, I, I acquire companies, I've taken them public, I've, I've done all of that. But my real meaning in life is I want people to tell their story out loud, especially the story they don't want to say out loud. Because I believe once you release that shame and that fear and that doubt in yourself, you have so much more to give the world. So you've gotten, to a, pretty good, you've gotten to a pretty good place where you're able to use your business skills to actually make a living at the thing that is most important to you and spiritually nourishing to you, which is a good place to be. Yeah. Good, mm. good for you. How you. Do, I appreciate I, that. It took a long time. <laughs> yeah. So there's the, there's the book, of course. There's Kielberg and Holy Unraveled, if you want to get the, the details, and I'm, I'm hoping you do. But there's also, if, if someone wanted to reach out and get involved with your program, they could do that too, right? Correct. com. How do they get, uh, can you say that again? com. K-E-E-L-E. K-E-E, yes, B-U-R-G-I-N.com. Okay. And in 60 seconds, talk about not being defined by your suffering. Oh, my goodness. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, oh, I feel like I can do this because I read your book, but it wasn't as bad as, you, as yours. And I think suffering is suffering and abuse is abuse. And we all need to come together on that and say no more, that we are all the teacher and we are all the student. And grief, as Rumi says, grief is the garden of compassion, and we can all serve each other, and we can just help each other heal. And I am so grateful for the people who helped me heal. And fundamentally, Holy Unraveled and Be Tribe is about healing and forgiveness. And if we can say the stories that we don't want to say out loud, if we can say them out loud, we can live the authentic life we're supposed to live. Thank you very much. Would you say you're happy now? Not, not that you're supposed to be, because life is suffering, at least according to the Buddhists. But have you, you know, when you when you lay your head in your pillow at night, do you think, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of happy. I feel pretty good. I am so grateful for my journey. Yes, I feel happy. Not that there's not more work to do, but yes, I feel happy. Thank you for asking that, Bradley J. That's an awesome question. You're welcome. Keel Bergen, thanks for, you know, doing something that's pretty difficult. I imagine it's coming and talking to 38 states about your very private stuff. Mm. I, I appreciate it. Mm, I appreciate you. Thank okay. you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.